0: This is Corolla Digital. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who's always wanted to make a wish. Hi, folks, and welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And again, that music makes me happy, and I love saying it every week because it's true every week. That, of course, is the David Nash Orchestra and the Tina Kozik Dancers featuring boy tenor Colonel Jeff Fox, asking the musical question, If oranges are orange, why aren't tangerines tan? Well, we think that's a pretty sharp question, and I do too, and especially me, because that's right, it's Colonel Jeff Fox who had that musical question, and I think it's terrific. He is the colonel, and so when people write in sometimes and say... What does it take to become the boy tenor on the show? I think it's obvious. Well, become the producer of the show. But uh, first, I just want to say it means the world that you folks are writing good questions in. We love using them. Please keep doing it. And this week, though, terrific question from Colonel Jeff. If oranges are orange, why aren't tangerines... Tan, and the reason it's terrific is because initially, I thought, well, let's are there any other fruits that are named the color they are? And there aren't, at least not that Colonel Jeff and I could figure out. I mean, you don't call lemons yellows, you don't call limes greenies, and strawberry ice cream isn't called pink, although it should be because that's what it is. And it's called strawberry, so there's there's nothing really really that 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 makes sense there, and then it just seemed sudden suddenly, hey, wait a minute, this question isn't really about well, it's not really about what other fruits are colorful what other fruits are named as. It's not like that at all. The question is because I said to the colonel at that time. Well, how many other kinds of oranges are there? I mean, there must be three or four different kinds of oranges. There's, well, a navel orange. There's, well, you know, you all know. There's a uh, oh, many different kinds of things. A crescent orange, I guess, or a sweet orange. And we looked up. We went to the web. In fact, I'm 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 looking for it now, and I can't find it. We printed this out. That uh, how many different kinds? of oranges there are, and the point of this is there is, well, Valencia is one, as the colonel just typed in, but there are, folks, you wouldn't believe it, just by typing in on Wikipedia how many oranges are there, the The answer is more than you need, more than you'd want, more than could possibly be, and I mean on the order of 40 or 50, and names you've never heard names you don't need to hear so the 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 point is oh that's That the colonel just uh, popped it up on got went back to wikipedia there and uh, orange and then in parentheses it says fruit and lists how many oranges there are and although the colonel and i are friends and we really enjoy working together and we feel very close to each other he still can't quite seem to grasp that I can't read what's on the screen. So the the point is, though, what, what type of orange? Why the most popular fruit in the history of America, I think, is the orange. I mean, even if you don't have an orange a day, you love oranges. Everyone loves oranges. You want an orange. You're happy to have an orange if you were a little thirsty or felt a little sluggish or wanted something just tasty, and there was a big bowl of oranges there, you would probably say to yourself, hey, what a terrific thing that is, a big bowl of oranges. I think I'll just take one and peel it right now and eat it, because that's how good oranges are. And yes, they taste pretty good in mixed drinks too, don't they? Not that many oranges in mixed drinks, are there? Not really. It's not something you put in a mixed drink. But that's the point, by the way. If you want, if you're going to have, say, a martini, an olive in the martini isn't called a green thing. It's called an olive. And there are other kinds of olives. And by the way, I would like to say, with all affection, that if you order a martini but you've just never really liked green olives, and of course, there are people, and you could do this, get a little slice of lemon peel in there instead, or a pearl onion in there instead. That's a gimlet, is that called, right? And you could do those things. But I I think it's good to be a little combative and say, then you're not drinking a martini. If you want, just order a martini and get the one. And when they say, what would you like in it? Just hold your hand up like a secret agent and say, you know what goes in it. Put what goes in it to make it an official martini. And that would be a green olive. If you don't like it, Tough. Order a shot of whiskey, which is a wonderful thing to have anyway, and might as well get a cold beer to back that up. So, at any rate, uh, Colonel Jeff Fox was our boy tenor today, and he asked the musical question if oranges are orange, why aren't tangerines tan? And the answer is, boy, you got me, and it, it really can't be looked up. I think it's wonderful that the fruit that's the most popular in the history of the world, the orange, the one we all love, was given not not just a simple nickname. It was given no nickname. It, it has it has nothing to it that t- tells you by the name. That when they sat around and said, well, what do we call the orange and the color? Can you imagine everyone more or less at that committee meeting just said, you know what, it's a stupid fruit. Let's just leave it and call it orange, and then we'll move on to something else that's really important, like... What could we possibly call a pineapple? But you know what? I think it's great that oranges are oranges. And in fact, by putting all this work in on it and trying to decide what to say, I, I want one now. I would like a bowl of oranges. There is nothing that makes me happier than checking into a hotel on the road and seeing sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes there's a bowl of apples on the desk when you check in on the counter. And I always take one right up to the room, even if it's 9 or 10 at night, and I always say to the clerk there, whether it's a happy young man or a lovely young woman, especially if it's a lovely young woman, I think, that I always say, there is nothing better in life than a free apple in a hotel. And and that's true. So you know what, folks? Why aren't the tangerines tan? Who cares? All I know is that I'm just glad, so glad oranges are orange, and I might, might, not definitely, I might, on the way home, after taping our show here today, I might stop off at Ralph's and get a big bag of oranges, not one at a time, I mean, not two or three where you put them in your own plastic bag, but to get the big bag, the one that might just be sold by... A short fella next to the road on your way home might, not would be, might. And I think I might just pull in and get a bag of those. And I'll say to myself, as I offer one to the kids and offer one to my wife and offer one to the dog, and they all, well, just turn away. But I'm going to have one. The dog won't turn away. He'll think it could be good food. But uh, you know what? I'm looking forward to an orange-orange. Why are they called that? I don't know, Colonel, but I'm glad you came up with it. And by Amazon. That's right, Amazon. Amazon, the happiest company where you go. That's right, you. I'm pointing at you. You go anytime you want, under your laptop, under your telephone, under your screen, anything you have, and you go right to Amazon.com and you order anything in the world you've ever wanted, right? Wrong! You don't! Stop it! Stop it! I'm pointing at the same people again. You! Hey, yeah, you! That's right? The fellow with the big eyes who looks surprised now. You. Stop ordering on your own. What you do is you don't go to Amazon.com. You go to our website, which, as you know, is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. LarryMillerPodcast.com. And we have a banner that says Amazon. You click our banner that says Amazon, and you have to do nothing Because we take you to Amazon, and then you order anything in the world you've ever wanted, anything in the world you can imagine, and everyone is happy. You get all the gifts you want. Amazon gets to send them to you, and they send us some of the dough you're going to spend. They send us a certain percentage of it, and that makes us very happy. And we put that toward our fun for our next fancy fried chicken dinner and cocktails, which we're going to do, and you'll know about it. Because we've already done it, and we've already told you about it. So thank you, Amazon. And folks, remember, our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Click on our banner that says Amazon, and everyone will be happy. And by PayPal. That's right, PayPal, where what you do is you send us the price of three drinks. That's right. Whether it's a place you like or a place you've never been, find out the price of a cocktail, send them three to us. That's for the one for the Colonel, one for the Dr. Chris, and one for me. And that'll be part of our big, fancy fried chicken dinner out. And we're glad you do that, because believe me, it makes a difference to us. And now, my favorite part of the show, except for the other parts of the show that are also favorites of mine, but for right now, my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. That's right, the joke of the week. ...of the week, and this is a favorite part of the show because everyone who's sane loves jokes. You should love a good joke, and it's not just because I'm a comic, because those aren't joke jokes. I'm talking about the ones you tell to friends, the ones you can hear and say, Say, that was a good joke. I laughed. I'm going to tell that to a friend of mine so he or she can laugh, too. And this is from Colonel Jeff, found another site on the Internet that you should go to. They have good jokes. It's called ahajokes.com, A-H-A-Jokes.com. And I wanted to tell you about it because it's always good. They have so many categories on the side here, other sites that you can go to for jokes. It's it's wonderful that they do that, and I'm glad they did it for this one. And uh, this one had a title, too, that made me smile right off the bat. The title for this joke is Church for this drunk. No need to explain that. If you don't get it, you'll just have to let it pass by. But here we go with the joke of the week titled Church for This Drunk. Okay, a man sobering up from the night before is sitting through the Sunday sermon, finding it long and boring. He's still feeling hungover and tired, and he finally nods off, out cold. The priest has been watching him all along, noticing his apparent hangover, and is disgusted. He's mad at this guy he doesn't even know. At the end of the sermon, in fact, the father decides to make an example of him. He says to his congregation, "'All those wishing to have a place in heaven,' Please stand. The whole room stands up except, of course, the sleeping man. Then the priest says even more loudly, And he who would like to find a place in hell, please stand up. The weary man, catching only the last part, groggily stands up only to find that he's the only one standing. Confused and embarrassed, he says... I don't know what we're voting on here, Father, but it sure seems like you and me are the only ones in favor of it. Well, I think that's a pretty good joke. That's that's fun. First of all, it has that great structure to it where the first sentence just made me laugh as as, as the colonel showed it to me. I said, The first sentence, a man sobering up from the night before. Is sitting through the Sunday sermon. If that doesn't make you smile, I mean that's from that's a kind of American comedy that was, I think, big in the first huge chunk of the twentieth century, from nineteen hundred to oh, nineteen seventy, nineteen eighty. Just a gigantic thing. A man sobering up from the night before. What a different culture that was. Where, so I said, I said to Colonel Jeff. So he didn't go home. He's sobering up from the night before didn't go home, didn't get yelled at, didn't just climb onto the couch or jump in the shower and get into bed, didn't do anything we might do that the colonel and the doctor might do, that I might do, that you out there in the world listening to This Week with Larry Miller might do. He doesn't do that. I love that church for this drunk starts out with a man sobering up from the night before. So I hope you like that joke and I hope you tell it to friends and I hope they like it too. And now for my other favorite part of the show that uh, now that we're finished with the joke of the week my other favorite part is the poetry corner and it is a favorite part, the poetry corner the corner of poetry it's a wonderful way to think of life and it's like oranges in a way even though you don't read a poem every day, and you don't read a poem every two days, and even though you don't read or tell or hear a poem, well, very often at all, still when you do, it reminds you that it's a great way to think, it's another beautiful way for a great author to use words, and a good poet, remember, can really move us and make us either smile or sad, and... Well, teach us a lesson. We should, we should, we should learn. And this poet is someone I had never heard of, Elizabeth Bishop. Now, she was born in the early part of the twentieth century. She lived, I think, till about nineteen seventy-eight, and she was popular and she was wonderful with words. And here's a poem that she wrote called "One Art." The art of losing isn't hard to master. So many things seem filled with the intent to be lost that their loss is no disaster. Lose something every day except the fluster of lost door keys, the hour badly spent. The art of losing isn't hard to master. Then practice losing farther, losing faster. Places and names and where it was you meant To travel, none of these will bring disaster. I lost my mother's watch, and look, my last, or next to last, of three loved houses went. The art of losing isn't hard to master. I lost two cities, lovely ones, and vaster, some realms I owned, two rivers, a continent. I miss them, but it wasn't a disaster. Even losing you, the joking voice, a gesture I love, I shan't have lied. It's evident the art of losing's not too hard to master, though it may look like, write it, like disaster. Well, I think that's lovely from Elizabeth Bishop and another great moment in life where a good poem by a good poet Makes us think and listen a different way. And, well, it couldn't be more in tune with my magic movie moment of the week, which is a wonderful thing. The magic movie moment. Remember, this is a movie you know well. You've seen five or ten or twenty times. Or you've just seen it once and you realize there are parts in it that are going to touch you. When something becomes a magic movie moment, when you know the movie so well, and you really look forward to seeing that one scene or that one patch of dialogue that touches you or, or makes you laugh, and you know what that becomes a magic movie moment in a movie you already love and would watch any time it came on and this one I've always loved, and it's directed I mentioned last week by Hal Needham, the great Man. Who was a great stunt man and became a great director. And the reason he became a great director was because he had a story idea for this movie, and he told it to his friend and someone he was a stuntman for at that time. And his friend was Bert Reynolds. And Bert Reynolds said, You know what, Hal? That's a terrific idea. And Burt Reynolds put him with well, the stupid the right studio which was Rastar, R-A-S-T-A-R, and it was distributed by Universal Pictures, and the producers were Mort Engelberg and Robert L. Levy, and the movie is called Smokey and the Bandit. And if you immediately say to yourself, oh, I haven't seen that, and that, that never sounded like a good movie to me, that that sounded like a, sort of like a lower-grade movie to me, and I don't want to feel lower-grade, folks, you're wrong if you think that. It's a sweet, funny, romantic movie. It has a storyline that's touching, that makes you think. And good Lord, what a cast. Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jackie Gleason, Jerry Reed, Mike Henry. And even if there's one or two folks you don't know when you hear that name, you're going to know them when you see them. And what a lot. The cast is so big, has so many more people in it. And folks... This is a wonderful movie to see. If you haven't seen it, see it. If you've seen it before, and you know what I mean about how good it is, folks, this was made in 1977, directed by Hal Needham, and he did something magical with it. He did something that's hard to do. He made a movie about, well, a a bet that was going to be made on who could haul beer from Texas back to Georgia. And you know what? It, it, it's just a great idea. And Burt Reynolds and his friend in the movie, Jerry Reed, who plays the snowman, and Burt Reynolds, who plays the bandit, and Smokey at the time was their slang term for, well, any state trooper. So if you were stopped by a state trooper, that meant you were being chased and you were caught by Smokey. So Smokey, in this case, Jackie Gleason whose name in the movie was Buford T. Justice, which is a great name and a real name, by the way. Colonel Jeff was telling me before that was a real state trooper who was known by Burt Reynolds' father in Florida, and his father suggested the name of this guy. It's a great name because it sounds like, that, as the colonel pointed out, and he's right, when you hear that name, Buford T. Justice, for a state trooper, you say to yourself, the first thing you think is, well, that name has to be made up. That's a made-up name. That that, that that name wasn't real. Well, it re- was real. And you know what, though, folks? Boy, everyone in, in, in this movie, when you see it, you're going to love it. They found a way somehow to bring all sorts of these groups in the American South together, truck drivers and motorcycle gangs and bar owners and doctors and oh the rich guys who want uh, who want to have the have the beer brought to them and the plot really works and there's love in it and Sally Field meets Burt Reynolds and he nicknames her Frog because she's always jumping around and you know what it's a terrific movie but there's a reason it has a magic movie moment in it for me and the magic movie moment is it's so well done. It's the magic movie moment, and you realize, well, when Bert Reynolds falls in love with Sally Field, and she falls for him, too, they talk to each other before they first kiss. And you know what? There is nothing better in movies than a good first kiss when you realize they're doing it for all the right reasons they both want to. They're both starting to really care for each other, and they're both in a situation where there's nothing more perfect than to have a great first kiss. That doesn't mean a huge first kiss. You may have first kisses you like and those you don't like in movies. I have them. When they're overdone, they're, they're not great first kisses to see in a movie. And uh, they are just some that are overdone where suddenly you see Two people moving in on each other, and they've been sweet the whole movie, and you really want them to fall for each other. And just as they're moving in for, for an innocent first kiss, well, she opens her mouth, he opens his mouth, everything sticks out, they just jump on each other, and it's a terrible first kiss. Remember, a good first kiss in a movie isn't what a good kiss is in life. It's something that continues the characters and the story, and makes you want to know that that kiss is wonderful. And in *Smoky and the Bandit*, it's funny, it's touching, it has great characters, it's eccentric. And when Burt Reynolds and Sally Field have their first kiss, it's so sweetly done, and it's so well directed, and so well written, and so well acted. And you'll you know what? You'll say to yourself. That was a good first kiss, and there is no better magic movie moment than knowing that it has a great kiss in it. There are wonderful scenes in Smokey and the Bandit where Jerry Reed has just been beaten up by a motorcycle gang, and he's he's all bruised up, and the owner of the truck stop where he stopped to get some food to take back into the truck for him and for his dog, Fred, The owner says, you all right? And yes, I'm all right. And he says, sorry. And that's when Jerry Reed notices that all of their motorcycles, all of the choppers from the gang inside, are parked in a row right in front of his truck that's just been gassed up. And he smiles, and then he laughs out loud. He puts the truck in gear, and he rolls right over those motorcycles. And it's just a moment again. You smile at. You're not glad things are destroyed. That's not the point. It just feels right. If you haven't seen it before, check it out. Smokey and the Bandit, directed by Hal Needham, starring Burnt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jackie Gleason, Jerry Reed, and Mike Henry. And that was our magic movie moment. But there's magic in the story for today. And there always should be. And here's the reason why it happened today. This week is the 50th anniversary of the assassination of President Kennedy. We're all familiar with that. Fifty years ago, good Lord, things moved so quickly. Fifty years ago, November 23rd, that'll be, and that was 1963, and I thought, you know what, there's got to be a good story to tell or a good movie to talk about or something really reflective that, that makes me think of that, that makes you think of that. And you know what? After thinking about it, and for, for a while, I realized, and the colonel realized, there's nothing else in a way that I need to say this week that would enlighten anything or enlighten anyone. There's a sweet moment in a way I made. I was nine years old. On that day when that happened, and I was in school, and I'll never forget, well, it was a different time of schools. It's a public school on Long Island, and Mrs. Smith, who was our teacher, got a call from the principal's office on one of those, well, one of those old school phones you just don't see anymore, except in older movies, or except in movies that are made to look like they come from 1963. And that's where there's a round earpiece that nothing else there that the teacher can just pick up off the hook and put to her ear, and she can speak of the rest into the unit that's settled into the wall there. And I will never forget how she listened and then said, oh, oh, my, oh, yes, oh, yes, thank you, I will. And she hung it up, and we were all quiet, and she came to the front of the room, and she said, children, President Kennedy has just been shot, and he's been killed, and he's been murdered, and I think it would be nice if all of you stood up and quietly to yourselves said a prayer for him and his family. And first of all, at the time, and still today, I thought that was a beautiful idea she had. And well, Lord knows it's not something you might see today, but I think maybe we should. And at that time, we all stood up, and it was silent, and we were all good kids. You know, sure, there were fistfights with the boys, but even that was a little more innocent And we all stood up and we all said a prayer silently to ourselves about President Kennedy and his family. And I guess that was about a minute long, which is a long time if you think about it. For a minute to pass is a long time. And it was silent and we were all standing and Mrs. Smith bowed her head and she said a prayer too. And at the end of that, Well, we moved on. But you know something, folks? I have no memory of what we did after that. If you said what happened then, did you go home? Did the school send you home? Did you go to lunch? I I have no memory of what happened then. But what I remember is, well, what a magical moment was of it, that Mrs. Smith heard the news on that little old-fashioned telephone in the wall. And she told us, children, why don't you all stand and say a prayer for President Kennedy and his family? I think that was a great idea. I'm glad she said it, and I'm glad we did it. Perhaps the best idea sometimes in life is just to stand up and quietly say a prayer. But you know what? Something happened that I did want to tell you about, And it may be one of the sweetest things that could happen in real life. And maybe that's the most appropriate to tell. There is someone out there who last week was called Bat Kid. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you've seen him in your papers. Bat Kid. He's young. He's five years old. He's not well. He's sick. He has leukemia. And... He joined, there's that wonderful group, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Maybe you've heard of them. And he joined a competition, and you know what? They picked him, and what he wanted, his wish was to become a little Batman for a day. And they called it Bat Kid, and they got him. They made him a Batman uniform for a five-year-old that fit perfectly, and they had one of their folks dress as Batman with a full uniform and he was going to take him around and people began to volunteer and volunteer things that would go along with them and it got bigger and bigger. Their Batmobile, and they had a Batmobile and the Batmobile was from Lamborghini and it was a black Lamborghini and they let them put those oval-shaped Batman stickers on, the yellow ones with the black bat on it, and they put one on each door, and they had a bat cave they could come roaring out of. Well, it wasn't roaring, of course, but they could come roaring out of... (coughs) Excuse me. And they could come roaring out of that, and the bat cave, well, it was just a platform in a room in a building with a giant garage door somehow that became the greatest bad cave i had ever seen i saw every photograph and i and i did this today and i just started looking on the internet and i just started looking through and reading the things that they wrote about them and not just the car not just the lamborghini but folks they had this done in san francisco and not dozens or hundreds and not thousands Tens of thousands of Americans in San Francisco, folks who lived there, folks who worked there, tourists, all became part of this and volunteered and came over to where it was happening because they were so interested in it. And I'm telling you, it touched me so much. This kid went walking down the street with the big Batman too, and he was going to do the sort of Pre-crime saving walk down the street, sort of a bat parade, and the street was lined with thousands of people who had all made signs as if they were going to a baseball game, and they were good signs. They were kids and teenagers and adults, and there were there were T-shirts made that said "Bat Kid" on them, and they had the they all wore the T-shirts and they all held up their signs. And they all waved at him, and they all smiled at him and called his name. His name is Miles Scott. That's who the kid is. And he's five years old. And very briefly, his younger brother, can you imagine he's five and he has a younger brother. And his younger brother was dressed as Robin. And, folks, this is a memory they're both going to have for a long time. I hope and you hope the sick kid gets better and he has a long life. And he has as long a life as anyone ever has. And that he always remembers this. And you know what? Might not hurt if you all stood up after this show and maybe said a prayer for him. And uh, I'll tell you what, though. Every single event they did, and they set things up for him to do. The San Francisco police helped out. And they took him to foil a bank robbery. They set a bank robbery up so he could crack it and break it and they could arrest the criminals. Criminal was in quotes there, and that he could really solve a crime and prevent a bank robbery. Plus, they also dressed up. They had the Riddler and the Penguin and, well, uh, oh, the Riddler, who was the, oh, who was the other one? I keep thinking of the Batman TV show now. and But they were all dressed up, and the police helped the kid arrest them, and one of them had kidnapped a young woman, and he rescued the young woman, and the woman he rescued gave him such a nice hug. Folks, even in the photograph, you could just see what a sweet hug it was, and she gave it to him, and everything they did this whole day long, I'm telling you, just made you feel great. I guess I've heard the name Make-A-Wish Foundation for a while, and I know they do good things, but it's not one of the groups you think about forever. I don't know about you, but it's not one of those you think about every day. Well, I think about them today. I think they did a great job. And I don't know how many of their events or wishes become as good as this one was, but I'll tell you what, this one sure was. And everything these folks did for this kid got larger and larger as more and more folks in the area kept wanting to volunteer and volunteering. And whatever they did, well, sure, if there were three police officers helping the kid along and riding a motorcycle and showing him where to go, two of them were smiling in the best way. Sure, one of them looked a little bored, maybe. But you know what? That's the way life is. Maybe he wanted to be out catching a real crook. But they all do. Those cops work pretty hard. And today, though, and last week, boy, they they worked as hard as they ought to just to make this kid smile. I hope he beats this leukemia, and I hope he has the longest life he could ever have. But you know what? Make a wish gave him a great day. And I hope your kids have great days like that all the time. And they don't have to be sick, and you don't have to be sick. But for Miles, I'll tell you what, I hope you get unsick pretty quick. And I hope you have the time to learn what I and everyone listening knows, that remember, Homer is Homer and Pluto is a planet. And as always, folks, remember... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you... Folks, the game's over and you've won, and that's still the truest thing I know. Good luck, Miles, out there, and folks, thank you for being with us. It means the world. We'll see you here next time.